Megan, spring is one of our family's busiest seasons with tons of time on the go. There are so many places to be and details to remember. And the last thing I need is the constant irritation of uncomfortable shoes. So today we're talking about the Vionic Vitals collection from our longtime sponsor, Vionic Shoes. These are the best essential shoe styles for everyday wear this season. So Katie on our team is getting ready for warmer weather in Chicagoland with a pair of Vionic's Bella Toe Post sandals. These are Vionic's best-selling flip-flop style, and they have a cute little bow on them. They come in nine great colors, but Katie chose a versatile black patent leather. They're super supportive for her high instep, and they even come in wide sizes, which is a great option. Yeah, the styles in the Vionic Vitals collection are classics that don't really go out of fashion. And because they're such great quality, they're going to last as well, even with daily wear, which mine definitely get. And I love that Vionic offers a 30-day guarantee. Wear them, love them, or return them for a full refund within 30 days. But I have a feeling after those 30 days, our listeners will love their Vionic shoes so much they'll be ready to order another pair. Use code THEMOMHOUR15 at checkout for 15% off your entire order at Vionicshoes.com when you log into your account. That's a one-time use only. Bionic Shoes, wearable well-being for your feet. Hi, I'm Sarah. And I'm Megan. We're two moms with eight kids between us, from little to grown. We're in different areas of the country and in different stages of life. But we both know that motherhood's a lot easier when real moms share tips and encouragement. And remind you that it's really all going to be okay. We're not experts. We're parents who've been there. We're not perfect. We're real. Welcome to the Mom Hour. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 286 of the Mom Hour. I am Sarah Powers, here as always with Megan Francis. Hey, Megan. Hey, Sarah. I am also here with my dog, Xander. You do not currently have a pet at your feet at this recording. No, not, not as of this moment, but often my kitty cat is nudging my laptop screen while I'm trying <laughs> to record or has decided that that's the moment she wants to like come snuggle up on my arm and purr really loudly. I mean, it's basically like, like, like clockwork. Right. So it's, it's very different right now that there's no animal on, on my person. Right. Well, yeah. we are talking about pets today, um, kind of in the context, uh, a little bit in the context of 2020 and COVID pandemic, because I do think this has influenced people's decisions around pets and the way they think about pets. And we'll get into that a little bit. But we realized when we were planning this episode, we've done episodes about pets and caring for pets and getting kids their own pets and all that exactly twice. Turns out we do it every two years on the dot in the mid to late <laughs> fall. Isn't that funny? I wonder why that is. <laughs> I mean, in in the content creation, like mind, mind game that is our yeah. brains, which are like melded at this point, like the right. way we come up with content is I don't think you could really quantify or explain it. It's just an evolving thing. But well, I feel like pets also are the one we come up with when we've run out of everything else to talk about. <laughs> that could very well be true. We, we're coming off a stressful week. And so last night we were talking about what we were going to do an episode on. And I made the sort of tongue in cheek suggestion that this should just be the week Sarah's kids pick the topic. <laughs> and and then, Sarah, that got your mind, you know, going because you said if that were the case, you knew Violet would just talk about her guinea pig or yeah. what? Well, yeah. she just okay. animals in general, like animals she, in general, her, she lives and breeds actually dogs and cats. Um, She does have a guinea pig and we'll get into that. But I said, well, Violet would just want us to talk about dogs and cats the whole time. And then we were like, wait a second. Wait a second. <laughs> It's just so crazy. It might work. Yes. <laughs> yes. Um, and I do think since it's been two years since we talked about pets, um, a few things have changed and we'll get into that. Um, but we've had lots of questions from listeners about giving their older children as as children get older, say mid elementary school, giving them the responsibility of their own small animal. We we get a lot of recurring questions in our Facebook group about, you know, hamsters and guinea pigs or or lizards and and that that whole like phase of life, I feel like that's very much a milestone of older kids. Um, and I know we have we have a small animal in my house that we didn't have two years ago when we when we last tackled this topic. And then there's COVID. There's yeah, lots of data right now talking about um, adoptions, fostering and purchasing of dog dogs, especially um, because yes. dogs are the ones that require us to be home more. Um, and there's just people are not traveling. People are working from home and and many companies are even saying work from home forever, even after covid. Yep. So I think like not just for families with kids, but people across the board, their ability to care for dogs in particular has totally changed. And I think pandemic puppies have been a thing. I'm sure we have listeners who have adopted a pet since covid. It was a very pandemic puppy summer. And I think the last time we talked about pets, I also had a hamster. 
uh, that has since met an untimely end, as do hamsters in my home. Yes, I think yeah. if I remember, so Scotty Cheese Hands, I think, was part of the first time we talked about pets. Yep. And I want to say he'd already met his untimely end two years he had, ago. But then there yeah. was an, there was another one named Fancy Bear. Oh, Fancy Bear did not get the same um, publicity. I as don't Scotty even remember Fancy Bear. Well, I barely remember him either. So. Anyway, um, but he was just not the same. He he did not he did not rise to the level of Scotty. The notoriety. Yes, exactly. And his in his end was actually quite timely and just normal. But um, you know, like it we, happened. I think after that point, like we had just all moved on from hamsters. And yep. so yeah, it all happens. Right. Well, so the first half of today's episode, we're gonna talk um mostly about dogs and cats. Um, and then in the second half, we're really gonna dig into these small animal, almost like a small animal showdown a bit because nice. we have different experience with small animals, and I definitely think there's pros and cons. So before we get into all of that, let's just introduce everybody to all of the pets or non-human living creatures that are in your home right now, plus any that your family spends time with or that are kind of like in your sphere. So you can go first. Okay, so we don't have any small pets at the moment. Um, we have our dog, Moxie, who is just about Clara's age. We got her when Clara was a little less than a year old. And at that point, Moxie was about six months old. So they're okay. like, you Aww. know, the same age-ish, yeah. which I, I didn't put the math together on that until pretty recently when someone said, how old's your dog? And I was like, I don't know. Um, and then our kitty, Gia, who nobody calls her that. We all just call her kitty. She mm-hmm. was a rescue and I got her three and a half-ish years ago. Okay. And at, at the shelter, they told me that um, she was about a year old. She was a tiny little cat. And then when I took her to the vet, he's like, no, this cat is like at least five years old. So, oh. like, yeah, so she, her teeth were in bad shape. She's just, she's just a runt. Like, mm-hmm. she's just a tiny little cat. Um, so she's like a, an, a, like a mature adult cat. Um, but yeah, that's all we got. And then Clara's um, best friend, Isla, her family adopted a dog over the summer named Biscuit. Oh, and cute. Biscuit is a, a doodle. A mm-hmm. Bernays, a Bernays doodle. Oh, yeah. Those are cute. So cute. Um, looks like a stuffed animal, yeah. much like Xander. And that's been such a great like pandemic friendship thing because there's been so much outdoor, mm-hmm. like walk the dog, play with the puppy. It's just been nice. And then um, one of my high school besties, Missy, got a new uh, boxer puppy named Franklin, which has also been, you know, a huge hit. Mm-hmm. And then my sister-in-law and brother John's, their their family has a lab that they got about a year ago named Laika. Okay. And they have a little doodle, another doodle, like, I don't know, a miniature doodle of some sort named Franny. I and I met Franny. I remember. Franny is so cute. Um, and it has like that big poofy curly hair mm-hmm. in the front that covers her eyes half the time. And so Clara, you know, is into all those animals. Clara in particular, the other kids like them. Right. I think Clara prefers everyone else's dogs to ours, to be frank. But, you know, that's how it goes, right? I get that. And I was thinking as you were talking, (laughs) we've shrunk our social pods down to nothing or down to a few trusted families. So it's almost like the pets get elevated because we're seeing fewer humans. So it's like, hey. Um, And you're right. Centering a lot of outdoor activity um, around those dogs and they can help get us outside. And we'll talk about that more. So in my house, we have Xander. Xander will be four in January. His birthday is near, is very close to Violet's. I know when his birthday is, but I always forget how many years. I was going to say he's going to be five, but he's not. He'll be four in January. He is a miniature golden doodle, which just means that they mix the golden retriever with increasingly smaller poodles. And then eventually it's really golden doodle and golden doodle. Um, breeding together. Like, I don't think oh. either of his parents was a golden retriever. I think he's a second generation. Um, I didn't get too into that, but you can get really into that. He has very curly poodle hair, which is interesting because a lot of the, you know, a lot of people get the doodle mixes because they're hypoallergenic and they don't shed. And we love that about Xander. He does not shed at all. I've heard of people getting doodles who do shed because some, you know, in the gene mixing and all that, yeah, they, they can, still shed, but he does yeah. not, not even a little. But I didn't expect him to be this curly. And he truly has more like poodle hair. Um, my parents have a golden doodle that I'll talk about in a second. And there's his like fluffy, but not poodle curly. And Xander has to get groomed kind of a lot, which was new to me because I've had dogs in the past, but never that had to get groomed more than like once or twice a year, you know, just for yeah. like the very basics. Um, and so Xander has to get groomed. Like right now I'm looking at him and he is like a mop. Um, he's very cute. He's only about 18 pounds or even if that 16, 17, 18 pounds. So he's a small dog. 
Um, and he, yeah, he's really, really sweet. The kids love him. He drives me a little bit bonkers bananas sometimes because he loves you so much right he's very imprinted imprinted attached to me um actually the biggest annoying factor um for me in our old house was he is a barker and we never like cured him of barking and we had yappy dogs on both sides of us and the houses where we lived in our old neighborhood were very close together very small yards you're like living on you do have yards but you're like on top of your neighbors like there's no space and so one would get going and then xander would get going and it just felt like half my day was hauling him back in from the backyard, barking at other yappy dogs, and they'd all just kind of get each other going. So I will say that having a larger yard and not being adjacent to other barky dogs has been helpful. He will still bark. We have that big picture window, like a big bay window that faces the street. So he'll sit there and he'll bark at people who walk walk by with their <laughs> dogs, or he'll bark if there's a package delivered. Right. That feels a little more like no- within the range yeah. of normal, whereas before it was just constant. So, I mean, now's a good time to point out that if you're new to this podcast and you haven't heard us talk about animals before, we are both solidly like animal likers, but not like neither of us fawn over our pets or our dogs. Like we like them, but we're not um, like we're not dog moms where we talk about them like our babies. And I wasn't like that before I had kids. It was really kids that ruined it for me. (laughs) Like I was a huge animal lover when I was like a teenager and a young adult. I wanted to like I don't know, volunteer at shelters and stuff. And then I had kids and it just ate up all of the room for that kind of nurturing in yeah. my heart. So I don't know, maybe it'll come back someday. But right now I'm like, eh, yeah, take them or leave them. And we're going to get into cats versus dogs in a minute. I think I was like, I was a true, true cat lover always. Like, mm-hmm. like you mm-hmm. said, I think I've always been slightly dog ambivalent. I really love the role that dogs play in our lives. And I love my dog, but I I feel there's a difference between me and real dog lovers. Does that make sense? Yeah, like, I totally. I'm just I not in the club. Agree. But I'm. Yep. But I. I appreciate them so much, and I appreciate the role that they play in our families. Um, the only other thing I was going to say is we also have Benny, is my parents' golden doodle, and he is so sweet, and he is getting up there in age. He's like, a, oh, we know how old he is because he's a year younger than Allegra, and it's so funny. So he's 11, 11 and a half. And um, my mom always thinks he's like six. Whenever when any, anyone asks, she's like, I, I think he's like five or six or seven. And it's become like, a no, running mom. joke because he keeps getting older. And we're like, Mom, he is not. He's not going to live forever. He's a sweet, sweet, um, also a mini golden doodle when when that breed was kind of a new thing. And he has the pretty um, like auburn hair, like a redder color. Mm. And he's very sweet. And when we get the two doodles together, they're just very adorable. Um, and then we have a guinea pig that I'll talk about in a little bit named Lightning. So the current pets in my house are Xander and Lightning. And then we spend a lot of time with Benny as well. Sarah, our sponsor Vionic is back today with their Vionic Vitals collection. These shoes are the most essential styles for everyday wear to get us ready for spring, which will be here before we know it. We've already talked about my Uptown Loafers and Willa Slip-On Flat and your Chardonnay Heeled Sandal, but this collection also includes the Walk 23 Classic Sneaker. That is that unapologetic dad sneaker style that's so popular right now. And I was just thinking having all four styles would basically be like having a spring capsule wardrobe for your feet. Oh my gosh, that is actually such a genius idea, Megan. I love where you're going with this. You know, high quality shoes are such a classy way to elevate your wardrobe. And the styles in the Vionic Vitals collection really can be worn in your everyday mom life, whether you're running errands or dressing up for an occasion. Yeah. And let's talk about the comfort factor, Sarah. Vionic actually got started by revolutionizing medical orthotics. Today, they continue to use that science to make cute and comfortable shoes that can keep up with our active lifestyles. Use code THEMOMHOUR15 at checkout for 15% off your entire order at vionicshoes.com when you log into your account. That's one-time use only. Vionic Shoes, wearable well-being for your feet. Sarah, our sponsor, Haya, is back on the show today, and I just really love this company. Typical children's vitamins are basically candy in disguise. They're filled with two teaspoons of sugar, unhealthy chemicals, and other gummy junk most parents don't really want their growing kids eating. That's why Haya, the pediatrician-approved, super-powered, chewable vitamin, was created. That's right, Megan. Haya fills in the most common gaps in modern kids' diets to provide the full-body nourishment they need. And Haya vitamins have a yummy taste kids love, too. So we were just talking to Katie on our team, Megan, and she was saying that when they get down toward the bottom of the Haya vitamin bottle, her boys are fighting over who gets the last one. Oh, I love it. And I also love that Katie can feel good about that, right? 
Haya is designed for kids of all ages and sent straight to your door. So parents never need to worry about running out. And we've worked out a special deal with Haya for their best-selling children's vitamin. You're going to get 50% off your first order. To claim this deal, go to HayaHealth.com slash MomHour. This deal is not available on their regular website. Go to H-I-Y-A-H-E-A-L-T-H dot com slash MomHour and get your kids the full body nourishment they need to grow into healthy adults. All right, we've established that Many, many people have gotten pandemic puppies. Neither of us did because we already had dogs. Why would we do that to ourselves? (laughs) Because this didn't happen. (laughs) We moved. Well, you moved before COVID. I moved during COVID. I'm curious, do you have any desire to get another dog? And your dog is also getting older. So I'm curious if you've thought about that. And then and related question, have, have you just noticed changes to the dog dynamic in your house as people are home more and, you know, COVID has changed a lot of things. So you didn't get a puppy, but what have you noticed about dog ownership? Well, it's funny because we moved about about less than two months before COVID. Mm -hmm. Um, We we had only been settled into the new house for like a a solid month before things started to just go wackadoo. And the way the house is laid out is very different from the last house and where Moxie, our dog, hangs out is kind of like this she basically just took a sofa mm-hmm. in this sort of like little extra room um, that has like the fireplace. It's like a sitting room. It doesn't mm-hmm. have a TV. It doesn't really have enough space for us to all spread out. So um, she like basically took over that room. It's right off the dining room, which is where the kids tend to hang out and do homework and stuff like that. So she's definitely like and then she has to pass through that room to go outside. Mm-hmm. So I think she just is kind of annoying everybody a lot more than she used to. She used to just kind of hang out and do her thing separate from us and then would go out and come back in. But now she's sort of just always around. And I feel like I feel like it's good. She's happy about it. And everyone else is annoyed with her, which she doesn't notice because she's a dog. And it's kind of that pathetic. Like she's sitting there wagging her tail thinking that people are paying attention to her. But actually, they're just like, hey. Get away from so me. what does she do that's annoying? Is she I'm just curious her personality. Like, does she want to play? Does she She wants to eat everyone's food? Oh, all that is time. annoying. <laughs> so and here's the thing. This dog is 11 and a half years old and has never given up hope like ever. <laughs> she will sit there like panting her hot breath on your arm while you eat. And there's no part of her that doesn't believe she's going right. to get food like right. she just one day in her whole doggy heart believes. <laughs> that some of that food is going to end up in her mouth. And, and sometimes it does. Like, really, her persistence does does pay off. Um, and so I guess everyone's got this, like, grudging. It, it sounds awful. And I don't think, I just, I, she gets pets. She gets love. Clara loves her. We'll come pet her and snuggle with her. But I think she also has become just this presence, like another breathing body in the house um, in a time when we've all felt kind of closed in together yeah, in a lot that. of ways. So, um but I will say that for me, the last year or so, I have walked Moxie two to three miles almost every day yeah. for a really long time. And I've really liked that. Like she and I have kind of bonded over that, like me having a reason to get me out of the house and exercise and her having, you know, like that's kind of made her a little more bonded to me. And I've really liked that. And um, she's got a an injury right now. She had a couple of years ago where she she like pulled a tendon mm-hmm. and I took her to the vet and he said it might have a little tear in it. Um, and you could do the surgery. He said she probably like she had run away the day before and came back limping. And he said, you know, she probably took off after a squirrel or something like took a corner or yeah. something. And he said, and you can have surgery for a couple thousand dollars or you cannot. Mm-hmm. And basically, if you don't, it will happen again. And at the time she was almost 10 years old. And I was like, yeah, no, um, that's not going to happen. And so with after about a month, she was better enough that I could walk her again. So she she re-injured herself, like he said she would. And mm-hmm. so I have not been able to walk her in probably two months now. And I mean, it's getting better, but she's also older. Yeah. And it's just it, it's like, oh, that's sad. Yeah. So I don't I don't want another dog. Like I don't. There's a lot of work and yeah. and the kids now are gone half the week. So yep. then it all falls on me and I can't go anywhere without having care for her arranged and all this stuff. Um, but I will, but I really will miss her when she's gone. And that's something I didn't really expect. I kind of thought, gosh, I hope one of the adult kids just takes her or -hmm. something. So I don't have to deal with this dog anymore. So I don't know, like she's still got a few more years in her probably. And, um, not in any hurry, but I, I, but at the same time I was like, Oh, I can't walk the dog. And so I haven't been walking as much because Mm -hmm. it's just not the same. It's like, 
I had my little sidekick. Yeah. So, yeah. 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 What about you? Well, you know, as dog ambivalent as I sometimes am, I would consider getting a, another dog now that we have we have more outdoor space and we have more indoor space. Both. We have just more space in this house. Um, Xander is no longer a puppy. You know, he's firmly in just young adult dog. Like I said, he'll be four. Um, and most of his behavior is fine, even though like my annoyance with the behavior is probably out of proportion for right. what it actually is. <laughs> when right. other people meet him, they're like, oh, he's a really well behaved, like good dog. I'm like, all right, you're right. Fine. He is. Um, so I would consider I would definitely rescue next time. And I would, I think, get an adult dog or a or a much older puppy, like a like a six to nine month old puppy. I don't need to do a baby puppy ever again. My kids don't need it. Like I'm going to talk about right. fostering kittens in a minute, which definitely for me is a more fun um, baby animal fix. I just don't. I, I would rescue and I would do an adult or a young adult or maybe like a slightly older house trained puppy. Um, and I'd probably do the training a little differently. There's a lot I would do differently than how we did it with Xander. Um, but I would. I would consider a second dog. And I hope none of my children are overhearing me say this. We don't have imminent. Yeah, we don't have imminent plans. It's not like happening this Christmas or anything crazy yeah. like that. But I just feel like well, I grew up often. We had two dogs. We had an older dog and yeah, we had a younger too. dog and they'd kind of flip flop, you know. And um, yeah. now that we have the space and we're settled and we're home all the time and I, I will always work from home. Um, and so, yeah, I think there probably is another dog in our future, just not imminently. And then in terms of changes, I mean, everyone makes the joke that dogs are like the happiest dogs and babies are the happiest with like true quarantine or true shutdowns because yeah. everyone's home. And I think, you know, I think Xander definitely gets the benefit of that. And I think the kids really do see him as a member of the family. They truly mm -hmm. do like, they love him and they think he's adorable and he's big. He's small enough for them to pick up or like sometimes they'll put a T-shirt on him or do silly things like he really is like a very accommodating like toy, you know, like. Yeah. He's, and so that has been good. And it's not that that was different before COVID. There's just more time, more time yeah. for it now. So, well, and I, you know, just just to kind of backtrack a little bit on what I said about not ever wanting another dog. I mean, who knows? Right. Like my life has been in rather a uh limbo point for the last four years just being divorced I'm not sure where I'm gonna wind up like the kids are kind of you know getting older and moving out one by one I, I just don't know yeah if I did I would choose very differently I would choose a different kind of breed like I, I got a hunting dog basically because mm -hmm. she was cute and because I wanted to get a shelter dog and they that's what they had right um but she's like she's meant to be running around the woods chasing rabbits she's yeah. really not very happy as an indoor dog, um, which means at the time when she was a puppy and really needed a lot of exercise, like now I could give it to her. But at the time I had a house full of five kids. One was a baby, you know, so it was really hard to give her what she needed. And we got her as a puppy, but she was a little bit um, older. She was like six months old. Mm -hmm. And so there were things that was very difficult to train out of yeah. her. And she's incredibly stubborn. So just a lot of like and she sheds and she kind of has that stinky hound dogness, which means mm -hmm. I've never let her on my bed, like stuff like that. So there's there's just things about her in particular. She would make a fantastic dog for someone who lived out in the country on a bunch of land yeah. and you let her run around. But yeah. that's not been our life. And I think maybe I would consider getting another dog in the future, but I would just be really like everything would have to line up. Yeah. Really yeah. perfectly, including everything about the dog. Yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah. We get we get smarter as we go. Yep, exactly. Um, OK, well, let's move on to cats. And you have had a cat for a few mm -hmm. years and I want to make sure I get a chance to talk about my foster kittens. But but yes. before I do that, um, I was just thinking, like, cats don't care if we're home more. Cats don't no. care about covid. They don't, They really like they are the most blissfully self-centered creatures. Yeah. Um, so I guess I'm asking you any changes to cat ownership since covid? Well, I, I, I mean, not really. Like you said, she's perfectly happy to see us or not. Um, although she, I do have a particularly needy cat. She, I joke that she's got an attachment disorder because mm, yeah. um, she just really like demands affection and needs it. Um, but on her terms, of course, and right. she will do this thing where she just runs out of the room for no good reason. I don't know if you remember that from cat times, but like, yeah, like, you just go to pet the cat the wrong way and they get spooked <laughs> and just like, and she has this thundering run on yeah. my wood floors. Um, 
But the one thing that I, ha- I have noticed, it, well, we have, she hates the dog. So she will not go downstairs. Yeah. And the dog kind of will come upstairs and try to like, you know, get into her litter box and stuff. But like, really, Moxie's not doing stairs so much these days. So they really stay pretty separated. And I think she's a little afraid of the cat too. Um, because Gia will definitely hiss at her. Yeah. So they stay in different floors. So what that used to mean is that she was constantly in my room. And now that the kids are home a lot more and have been, I started making a point of carrying her around to other kids' rooms and like kind of getting her introduced to their rooms and comfortable. And so now she will hang out in the other kids' rooms. And so it takes some of the, I don't, I don't mean to sound like she's like a baby that I need, you know, help caring for, but sometimes she's a lot. Like mm-hmm. I don't always want to pet her when she wants to be petted and she's so demanding. So, um, when I'm now, I used to feel bad shooing her away, but now I, you know, will forcefully shoo her and she just kind of stalks off in that cat way. Like she looks offended right. and then she goes and finds one of the other kids and she's got her places in each kid's room yeah. where she likes to go hang out. So, um, it's actually made my cat, my cat owner life a little bit better. I don't think she cares one way or the other. Right. But she's got her other options for to yes. fill her needs, which is exactly very which helpful, is, which is helpful. Yeah. But I want to know where you are now with the, the foster kittens, because I haven't gotten an update in a while. And um, yeah, like I know everyone's probably ears are perking. Well, not everyone. People who like kittens ears are yes. probably perking up. Yeah. So tell us about that. OK, so I have wanted to foster kittens actually for quite some time pre COVID even. Um, For a few reasons. We have some mild cat allergies in my house. My husband. So first of all, Brian and I owned two cats together since we've been together for 19 years. So he's not so allergic that he can't be in the same house as a cat because we've had two cats. But he does have the kind of cat allergies that are a little finicky and they'll like some cats more than others, some seasons more than others. So we've been hesitant to just jump into cat ownership again. Um, Plus, I really the 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 older I get, the fussier I get about smells in my home. And I just haven't been super excited to go back to litter box life. I, it's something I could get over, but I just haven't like I haven't wanted to commit to cat ownership. But fostering kittens felt like something very doable. I love kittens. I mean, I really do. I love yes. baby cats. Oh, they're so sweet. Um, And I have a good friend in Orange County who fosters a lot of dogs and works with a lot of do- um, dog foster organizations. So I kind of like observed how that worked. And she's had a couple litters of puppies. She had a mom and babies for a while. Um, And so actually during the during COVID, after the initial shutdown, maybe like in May, I applied for local Orange County um, applied to be a foster and they just review your application. And mostly it's about like, what other pets do you have in the house and how much are you home? I mean, it's not, a, right. it's not a major like hurdle to clear, but I think they want to know um, mostly about the other animals in the home. Cause that could be complicated. Um, and so I was approved, we were approved as kitten fosters. You can do bottle feeding if you, if you want to. And I was not ready for that. Cause you literally have to get up every two hours and, and do bottle feeding. I'm not going to say never. I think it would be really incredible, but I didn't want that to be our first experience. So basically, like we were approved to foster a litter of kittens until they were ready to have their shots, get spay or neutered and and go to a permanent home. Um, and we got approved in Orange County and then we decided to move. So so then like three months later, I finally went through the process here in Santa Barbara County and got on the list with a couple of foster organizations. And we had our first litter about a month, month and a half ago. And so here's a couple of things I learned. I mean, foster organizations are run by volunteers and they're short staffed. And so there's not a lot of like communication. There's a lot of um, passing the baton without totally knowing the story, like the left hand and the right hand, not totally knowing what the other hand is doing. And I, I empathize with that. These are volunteer run, you know, organizations that aren't like super well staffed. So uh, one thing that happened was we thought we were getting a litter of six week old. And I thought oh, six weeks is so perfect because they're weaned. They don't need to be bottle fed. They've learned how to use a litter box, but they're still really tiny. And we'll probably have them for like a month, month and a half until they're like, you know, 10 or 12 weeks. And then and then that'll be a perfect first first time. So then like the next day before we had them, they emailed back to say, actually, they're 12 or 13 weeks. <laughs> and I was like, OK, well, that's a lot bigger. That's very different. And, yeah. and I, my first thought was like 12 and 13 week cats are ready to play. They're ready to have right. run of the house. And part of what I was picturing is like a little box of small kittens that we yeah, would that's keep. What, yeah, we, we have we have two spare bathrooms, like two half baths. So we don't need the plan was to dedicate this this half bath 
um, just to the kittens. Put a litter box in there and keep them there because when they're tiny, they really don't want a lot of space. It, it scares them. Right. They want like an enclosed space. So I'm thinking, oh, my gosh. So then we get them and they're more like four, four and a half months old. They're not <laughs> tiny. Um, so these are like almost full grown, like adolescent like cats. Toddler, toddler, toddler. teenage cats. Right. They're still little and they'd really had a pretty I think they'd had a rough go. I think they lost their mom to a coyote when they were four weeks. They'd been in a couple of foster homes. Oh. They were orange. So two girls who were orange and white and a boy who was full ginger. And they were so sweet. And we had a really good time. The So the things we learned, they were very shy. Like they did not want, they were really afraid for almost, the boy was afraid almost the whole time. He never really warmed up. So that's something I learned that like, they're not going to necessarily want to cuddle with you all the time. They're, they're frightened. And some foster animals right. have been through trauma. So we kind of saw it as our, it was like our goal to help socialize them. Um, but it wasn't quite as like, uh, reciprocal as I thought. It was more mm, like, mm-hmm. like we had to really kind of coax them to want to hang out with us. Number one. Number two, the big thing was that they had ringworm. And remember a couple weeks ago on the podcast when we talked about skin creams and various yes. skin ailments. So ringworm, if you're not familiar, it's a fungal skin thing. It's not an actual worm. There's no worm or parasite. It just has that in the name. Um, it's not dangerous at all. It's just annoying. I've had my kids have had ringworm a couple times, like from preschool. But when they've had it, it was like one spot, one spot of ringworm on like their arm or their cheek that we just had to put cream on. We got full blown ringworm from these kittens and like like spots of it all over. Um, Allegra and Violet and I got it worse. And that makes sense. We were with the kittens the most. And so the, to wrap up the story, um, the, the foster coordinator was wonderful. She was really sweet and she felt very apologetic. The kittens showed no sign of it themselves. So in the beginning, I almost felt like she didn't believe me. And I'm like, look, like ringworm is super common in kitten litters. Like when you Google it, it's like the first thing that comes up. It's very common. There's nothing else we could have gotten it from. And so we definitely got it from them, but the kittens themselves didn't show outward signs. So she was like, I don't know what to tell you. I checked them for ringworm. And I'm like, I don't know what to tell you. We definitely got ringworm <laughs> from them. And um, it turns out that kittens can be asymptomatic, just like COVID. They can be asymptomatic. Oh, wow. They can have the spores on their fur. And it's really common, especially um, in like foster litters. And so we kind of, so she took them back. She asked the vet what the vet would do. And I was ready to like give them a bath myself. I thought, well, we'll take care of it. It's going to be annoying, but we'll do it. Um, but she, they recommended that she take them back and have the vet give them like the full treatment. And by the time they did all that, um, they were placed They're They're ready for adoption. So they were placed in a different foster home because I, I said, I can't take them back until all of our ringworm is cleared up and I don't know how like how often your kids have had it but it takes the actual sores take a a long time time to go away and my fear was if we bring them back and we start noticing more sores I'm going to be so paranoid like is this the same sore and we're still just healing or is this new and it was a little bit honestly like having lice or one of those other things that's not dangerous but it's like I couldn't control it like the spots kept popping up and I didn't know if this was new or like part of the same. Ugh, anyway, right. sorry if this is gross, everyone. Um, ringworm itself is not like it's not super like dangerous or like it's no, just but it's annoying. Gross. And it's yeah. and it itches yeah. and it's hard to get rid of and yeah. it looks nasty and it gets all flaky and weird and yes. yeah. So Ugh. that was that. However, <laughs> will you do it again? I will 100% do it again. Um, I would okay. like a, a little a smaller litter. I love the babies. That's kind of what we were hoping for. Um, and I would just stay on top of the things like this. I think this was probably a fluke because they they inspect all the litters for ringworm. And normally cats would show signs. They would show how right. little have patches of uh, hair missing. And these guys showed no signs. So um, even the vet, the foster coordinator said that this vet said she'd really only seen this happen like once. And they were I was really impressed with how the foster organization, they didn't get defensive. They were really apologetic to me like. They said, you guys did such a good job. They're really sweet and they're much more social and we'd love to have you again. So it was like a it was a big bummer for a couple of weeks. Um, and the kids were sad because the goodbye was a little different than what we expected. Sounds like kind of anticlimactic. Yes, like, like yes, we had okay. them and then they were gone. And I just had to ble- right. bleach the heck out of this bathroom. And but I would do it again, actually. Um, it The kids loved it. It was really fun. It brought some novelty into our covid life. Um. So, yeah, it, w- it was great. Um, the one thing I wanted to say, too, so many people have said to me, 
aren't you afraid that you're going to get attached and not be able to give it away? And I don't know how to say this, but I think I'm <laughs> I'm really good at like compartmentalizing things like mm. that. I of course I get attached to animals and and there's some sadness, but for me knowing from the beginning that we're doing a foster job yeah. is very different. And and I think the kids were okay too. Like we just made it really clear like we're not we're, this is not our, our job is you're not just adopting. babysitting we're these babysitting. yeah mm-hmm. yeah well yeah that's like if that's like saying if you babysat someone's baby for a week you'd get so attached you couldn't give it back I mean yeah. that's not like I mean I've never felt that way right. so yeah it, it is meant like mentally what you I mean otherwise no one would ever surrogate a baby right people are able to do it um, right and with an amazing amount of like control over those emotions if they know you know the expectations are set going in so right. Um, yeah. Okay. Well, I can't wait to hear about your next batch. I know. I know. Foster kitty cats. And I hope they're teeny little ones that just go. I was just picturing a box of like, mew, I know. like tiny little mews. I know. It's like the cutest. I'm, and they're scrunched up little you I know, know. eyes. And, I know. Yeah. Oh, man. Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms. And producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Okay, so before we dive into hamsters, guinea pigs, and lizards, oh my, the a menagerie <laughs> of small pets. Um, I'm just curious about this idea of like emotional support. We know there's like a, a technical definition of an uh, emotional support animal, but people kind of throw that term around. And I'm curious in we've talked a lot about stress on the podcast in the last few months and and families are experiencing real stress. Do you notice kind of an emotional support component to owning pets in this year of 2020? Well, I just think, I mean, if children's literature is to be believed, <laughs> there's a, I mean, a, even a very lonely child, childhood, I guess, can be like cured by a pet. I mean, it's just, yeah. I know it's like cliche, but I do think there's something about a kid and their dog or a kid and their cat that can be extremely therapeutic. Yeah. Um, and I know when I was a little kid, I had two cats that I was really attached to and they were like friends to me. And so, um, yeah, during a time when kids are not only stressed, but, but lonely a lot of the time. Absolutely. I mean, it might also add some annoyance for mom who doesn't necessarily need, um, companionship in the, (laughs) in the form of another needy human or non-human, you know, another needy being, but yeah, for sure. I, I haven't, my kids, because they have so many siblings, I don't think experience loneliness quite the same way as a kid from a smaller family right. might or, but, but even Clara, I mean, she's the only girl, she's the youngest, like that kind of puts her out of the group sometimes. Right. And I have noticed her gravitating more toward the cat and the dog when she's just feeling like she needs a, a friend. Right. So for sure. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And I, I would totally agree with that. I think um, my kids each kind of rely on pets differently. And I have mm. some who get more of that traditional emotional support more than others. And I think adults are the same way. Um, but I think just by being in the same house together and having these creatures, like you said, with the little the little eyes that look at you and and are nonverbal, but have a soul. Um, yeah. I think there's something kind of like elemental about it. And on days when it's hard to put one foot in front of the other, you know, they still need to be walked. They still need to be fed. It, it can definitely keep you going. I think there's a reason um, that it's recommended, you know, elderly people benefit from it. Children benefit from it. Um, people with, you know, mental health struggles do. So it's, it's real. And I think it's probably not the only solution to COVID right. blues, but it, it is real for sure. Okay, so we, like I mentioned, get a lot of questions from listeners about uh, wanting to give a small pet, well, bring a small pet into their home. But specifically, I think 
to make it one child's responsibility um, to care for a small pet. Um, and I think there's a lot of reasons for this. Um, kids get older and it feels special to kind of have a pet of your own. Like you just said, Megan, that kind of bond that we read about mm. in books and have a little buddy. Um, but there's a lot of other practical reasons, I think, why people who haven't gotten a cat or dog because of space or allergies or travel or these other considerations, um, they might get through the little years and think, OK, well, we could we could do pet ownership in a different way. I know I definitely know families who just aren't going to do a cat or dog for whatever reason, but then their kids get older and they want them to have that pet experience. Um, so I think there's a lot of reasons. I think um, the the responsibility and the care, which we're going to get into, I think can be really good practice and lessons for kids. It can also backfire. I think we both <laughs> yes. um, can attest. But it does feel like a different decision-making process than a family pet like a dog or cat. Would you agree? Oh, yeah, for sure. Especially if especially if it's going to be one child's pet. Um, and I know that like in some families, even the small animals get kind of spread around or the care gets spread around. But if you're thinking of like one, like one to one, one yeah. pet, one child, uh, I think that's where things really like that's where the the I, the, the idea the I'm going to say sometimes polite fiction that the kid <laughs> is actually going to be responsible for the care becomes a little trickier yes. because if it's not a family pet and it's their pet, how much are you going to bail them out? Um, yeah, there's a lot. There's a lot to think about. Yes. Sure. Agreed. Well, let's just very quickly list our experience with small pets and you can include like growing up if you had meaningful yeah. experience with these um, and then any that you've personally experienced in your house. Okay. So actually when I was growing up, I did have uh, two hamsters. My brother had one and I had one. And the funny thing is he had gotten a guinea pig for Christmas. This is my only guinea pig experience directly. And my mom hated it so much. She took it back to the pet store and traded it for two hamsters. <laughs> So I got a hamster like by default as like half of my brother's Christmas present. Like I got to take half of his present. So um, I had a fantastic hamster experience growing up. Like they were the best, the best hamsters. And they lived super long, like five years. And they died within like a week of each other, even though we had separated them in different cages when they were really little. Oh, wow. So very strange. Um, that has not been my experience as an adult pet uh, owner. So as an adult, my kids have had a gecko, multiple hamsters, most of which have um, either run away and died in the ductwork or gotten eaten by dogs or something else terrible has happened to them. None of them have ro risen to the to the oh, level no. of my childhood pets. Um, a few fish, tortoise, and then and then of course the dog and the cat. But for small pets, not that many actually. At least not that many that I can remember. Yeah. Okay. So, so maybe there's a. It's been 23 years since I became a mom. So. Maybe there's some in there that I just yes, forgot. Yes, so some little lizards scurrying around somewhere yes. in your memory. Yeah, um, exactly. So uh, for me, as a kid, I had bunnies a couple different times, mice and rats. All those were separately, like not all at the same time, different phases of life, years apart. Um, we never had hamsters or guinea pigs, but mice, rats, and bunnies. Um, we also never had birds or reptiles. I remember very fondly some of my classroom pets. I think it's really all those elementary school teachers out there who have classroom pets and preschool teachers too. I think it's really meaningful and I appreciate that you yeah. clean out lizard poop in addition to everything else that you do. But I never personally had birds or reptiles um, growing up and we haven't either. Oh my gosh, Sarah, you talking about classroom pets just made me remember one of the, one of the ones I had blocked, which was my, Jacob's preschool, Montessori preschool mm -hmm. hermit crabs came home with us for a summer. <laughs> I'm not going to talk about how that ended. <laughs> Let's just say hermit crabs don't smell very good. Oh, God. When the end has come. Oh, God. They don't smell good ever, but they really, really don't smell good then. So that's all I'll say. It I forgot terrible. that hermit crabs are a thing, but that is that is like the most <laughs> low maintenance pet. It's like a pet rock. Right. I know. Yeah. No, it, it, it's barely even a pet. I mean, you can't even touch them. Yeah. Yeah, no, <laughs> you know, all like, you could do is look at them. Oh, my so. gosh. That is really funny. Oh, oh, dear. Um, but yeah, the preschool pets and the elementary school classroom pets, they're important. Um, mm -hmm. And the kids, the kids, it means a lot to them. So um, we currently have a guinea pig who was a Christmas gift for Violet last year. And um, I'll talk a little later about kind of the care and feeding of a guinea pig. Um, but actually, we thought it would be fun to bring Violet on the show today. 
Okay, so to talk about guinea pig care specifically, we have a very surprise special guest that just walked into my bedroom. She is wearing leggings printed with cats and a T-shirt with a husky dog on it, which is par for the course because Violet loves animals. So we thought it would be fun, um, Megan, because I've been pleasantly surprised by guinea pig ownership. And you have you had a guinea pig or only hamsters? No, nope, I have not had a guinea pig. Okay, they're very sweet. And I thought maybe you could just ask Violet a few questions about guinea pig ownership sure. for our listeners. I'd love to. Hey, Violet. Hi. Hi. So your mom was telling me about your guinea pig. Its name is Lightning? Yes. Okay. So the first question I have for you, um, my brother's kids have a guinea pig and it makes this funny sound that I think sounds like an alien. Does your guinea pig make that sound? Um, He only makes a sound if he's nervous or happy. Okay. Is it like a squeaky little sound? Can you do it with your mouth? <laughs> <laughs> you don't have to. Okay. So I think we know the sound you're talking about, though. It's like this little, like, squeaky, squeaky sound. So you take care of him. Yeah? Yeah. B- what do you feed him? Sometimes vegetables, but usually every day I give him a bowl of dry food. Okay. Like, smaller dog food. What is his cage like? Is it big? Kind of, yeah. Yeah? And do you have to clean it out? Yeah, we do that every weekend. Every weekend. Okay. And does he get to, like, get exercise? Does he ever get to get out of the cage? Yeah. Sometimes. Yeah. Can you hold him and stuff and carry him around? Yeah. Does he play? Um, yeah. He does play if, usually if there's some kind of treat involved, though. Uh, has he ever bitten anybody? Um, he only bites if you stick your finger under his mouth. Uh, okay, so don't do that. No. Don't do that. Does it hurt? Have you been bitten? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it can kind of hurt, though. Um. Well, that's really cool. It sounds like he's a really good pet. Mm-hmm. Would you get another one if you could? Yeah. Yeah, I bet you would. Well, thank you, Violet. I love hearing about, I love hearing about lightning and how you take care of him. It sounds like you're very helpful. Bye. Bye. All right, so this is a great time now to talk about kids actually doing the work of caring for pets. We heard from Violet, who takes care of lightning. Um, I'll I'll just go first and say, I think it really depends on the kid and the kid's personality. And with my three kids, I've seen more initiative and motivation in my seven-year-old than um, in my older kids who might say that they want a pet of their own. And Allegra did have a fish um, for a couple years. But I just, there's something I can just tell. I can tell when the desire is deep and like really true versus like, oh, wouldn't that be fun to have, you know, a pet? So for Violet was a month shy of seven when she got lightning, which is pretty young. That's probably the youngest, I would say. But she was really ready. And she um, she does it all mostly on her own. There's some things about cleaning the cage that are physically harder for her. So we've helped her or actually I gave it to the job to Allegra the last few months. So they do it together. But I think if you think of if your kid can make a sandwich on their own or pack their lunch or um, do like chores around the house, those kinds of things, I think that they can do basic pet care. That doesn't mean you owe them a pet. But I think I think, you know, your kid um, and the level of responsibility they're ready for. But I will just say that Violet was 100 percent ready for her own pet at age seven, newly seven, whereas I have doubts about my 12 and a half year old. So, yeah. Well, and she just might not be motivated. Yeah. Um, I, when I was 13 or 14, my stepmom offered to buy me a horse. I mean, oh my that's gosh. like offering a pot of gold yeah. to a 14 year old. And I said no. And I only said no because she so clearly laid out everything I would have to do oh, to have yeah. the horse. And I was like, you know, I'm kind of getting into theater. Yeah. So like, I don't have time. Like, and I don't know that all kids are like even self-aware enough. There's like that weird place where they maybe still think they want the thing. Mm-hmm. Like if she had asked me when I was 12, mm-hmm. when I was still reading all the saddle club books yeah. and stuff and like <laughs> yeah. collecting the plastic horses, I would have been like, oh my gosh, yes, I'll do anything. But within a year, I would have been kind of moving out of that phase. Yeah. So it's kind of, there's like a sweet spot, of like young enough to kind of like how um, younger kids are often better babysitters mm-hmm. yes. than slightly older kids Absolutely. because they start to have their own social lives and yes. stuff like that. So yeah, I agree. Like, it's not the age. I mean, even really little kids can like put 
food and water in a dish or even clean out a uh, aquarium or a cage. It's, it's more like, do, do they have the follow through? Do they care to play with it? I mean, socialization for little animals matters, especially little furry animals yeah. and all that stuff. Yeah. Um, and I, and I know we just talked, we've talked so much about emotional labor yeah. <laughs> lately, but I just want to point out that for me, um, one of the things I appreciate about having bigger animals that like roam the house freely is that they're kind of just around and they make their needs really known. And mm -hmm. I have found that small pets, I just know they're out there somewhere and there is a burden on me wondering if they are happy. I mean, it sounds so silly, but like wondering if anyone's played with the hamster yeah. today, like wondering if the hamster is lonely. Is the hamster wishing it was with his hamster siblings right now? Like whatever it is, if there's too much of that going on, it's just in the back of my mind, uh -huh. just like on a loop, like just spinning. And I found that to be really tricky about in particular little furry animals in cages. I didn't care so much about the gecko because the thing was an idiot and it truly <laughs> or the tortoise like they truly did not have any awareness of their surroundings. It was like throw some crickets in the cage. We're good to go. But there is something about knowing there's this little furry being somewhere in your house, but you can't like play with it and yeah. you don't know how it is. To me, that was an emotional burden, which is strange. I No, but I think true. that's I think. Well, you're an empath and probably more of an definitely more of an empath than I am. But I think that's a real that is a real thing. And I think some people truly do just have a problem with animals in cages in as a general rule. Um, but like you said, if they're not getting played with or if it feels forgotten somehow, it's for yeah. sure emotional labor on mom, as is the mental load and the actual logistical labor of arranging pet care. If you are going to travel, I mean, COVID won't last yeah. forever. So finding uh, pet sitters is always a thing on that falls to me on my list. And it's always yep. a bit stressful. Um, so that's something to consider. I'm glad you brought up this like looking at the sweet little eyes in the cage, um, because I think we should mention placement of a cage in a house, which is so unique to each person's living situation. But I will just share, I think there may be pros and cons to a kid being able to have their own pet in their own room. And that, that may work. Um, I know in our old house, I really didn't want a giant guinea pig cage either in a small bedroom because our bedrooms were small and the bedrooms are small in this house too. But I also didn't want it like right in my family room. We opted yeah. for a large guinea pig cage because he's so happy in there. He has stuff to play with. It's really much more humane to the animal, but it's a it's a big, it's a large cage. Um, and so in our old house, our part of our garage was more like a rec room playroom. It was not, mm. it was very temperature temperate and it was, we were in there all the time. So saying we put him in the garage, it, it's nicer than it sounds. Um, and then in this house, he's in the kind of the rec room playroom. So in both cases, um, it, the guinea pig has been in an area where we walk by frequently. The kids can see him. I can say, hey, this guy needs food or water. Um, and I do think that helps with um, keeping him front of mind for the children. Yes. Um, so, yeah, cage placement. And I worried about smell. Um, mm. But so far, I think really what I smell most is the hay. And hay is like a fresh, clean smell. It's yes. not like smelling poop. I don't think I'd want it in my family room or my living room or my kitchen. I, I just I, I want those places not to smell like a barn. But in the corner of the rec room, which is right as we leave to kind of exit the house anyway, it it hasn't bothered me. And I can be kind of smell sensitive sometimes. So anyway, just wanted to offer those are those are things you will have to think about if you're going to do a small animal. Yeah, for sure. And I think that um, you make a good point that like having them someplace where they can be seen yeah. is helpful if you can make that work out in your space. And I have um, the house we live in now, we probably could if we choose, if we chose to get another small pet. Um, that doesn't mean I want to. Right. Exactly. <laughs> we'll, you know, we'll see. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. I would, the final thought on that too, as you're doing research and thinking about it is find out how long they live. And just yeah. like, I think with any animal, remembering that like, it's not just for the fun of the initial like acquisition Mm -hmm. But for the life of that animal, hopefully, we actually did rescue our guinea pig, um, which was really satisfying in a way. I didn't know there was guinea pig rescue. And we were on our way to do like a PetSmart purchase. And I was in the car and I just kind of had this feeling like, I wonder if it's possible to to do like a shelter guinea pig. And we did. And um, cool. I, I felt good about that. So. <laughs> One other thing to consider that I forgot to mention before, but I did throw out the little line about crickets. Yeah. I think it's really important to think to think through the care each, like, because even let's say you want to get your kids a gecko, 
there's a million different kinds of geckos, or maybe there's only five different kinds of geckos, but you know, there's also different kinds of hamsters and they all eat slightly different things Mm -hmm. and they have different cage needs. And it's a good idea to think that through really clearly. Like I would never recommend a mom of young kids get any kind of pet that can only be fed live bait, for example. Yeah. Because that means you have to go to the store. Mm hmm. Um, at a very inopportune time. Mm-hmm. And right now it's COVID times, yeah. which makes it even worse. And go get crickets mm-hmm. and they stink and they like jump all over each They're other gross. and it's yeah. disgusting. They're really, really gross. I, if I had really thought that through, we would have gone with a different <laughs> kind of gecko that didn't need to be fed okay. live bait yeah. and they don't all. So yeah. like think about that as well, because that was something I really underestimated um, how much of a hassle that would prove to be for a really long time. Yeah. Yeah. That's a really, that's a really good tip. Um, so. I'm just curious if we think both of us think that there are any more small pets in our future. Um, I can I can go first and let's include things like chickens or barnyard. Like what what types of pets do we think are in our future, especially non dog and cat? We already talked about that. Um, And I can go first because Allegra has been lobbying hard for a rat or a pair of rats. And I know you've shared that Jenna, your sister in law. They have rats and have been very happy with them. They and love their rats. I yeah. hear only good things about rats. So I have it, nothing about my hesitation has to do with the rats themselves. Like, ew, rats are gross or alley rats or, you know, that kind of uh, perception. I had rats growing up, too, and I don't have any problem with rats. But um, just like you were saying with the horse at age 14, it's my 12 and a half year old who is convinced that she wants a rat or a pair of rats. And I just have this feeling that COVID is going to end. Middle school is going to really kick into high gear, Yeah, going to become social and teenagery, and that I am going to have a pair of rats in my house. And then combine that with what I just talked about, which is cage placement. Her room's very small. I don't really want a rat cage in her room, but I'm not, I also don't want our cute rec room to have another, I don't want it to become a pet store, like a menagerie, because right. it already has a giant guinea pig. You've got cage. like dueling, rep- yeah. or dueling, um, what are they? Uh, rodents. Rodent, rodent, thank a you. rodent showdown. Now that rodent said, showdown. I've actually green lighted it. I told Allegra. So first thing I did is I made her clean the guinea pig cage with Violet for like two or three months, like every weekend. And she did it without complaint. And so that was kind of test number one. Um, she took over the guinea pig supervision with Violet of the cage cleaning. And then ev- this, number two is it has to all be her money because she has an allowance now. My other kids don't. So she can pay for everything, the cage, the bedding, the ongoing food. So I think that much like you and the horse, I think she's on pause with like, do I Mm. really want this? Do I really want to pay for it? Um, And then I said, you need to help me figure out the cage placement. I'm not saying no, but you need to help me like make a case, convince me where you want to put it and why that's the ideal location. And then and then I'll say yes. So maybe I will have rats within like a week or two of this or maybe (laughs) it will drop away. Um, Reed has said he wants reptile uh, like a reptile some kind of gecko or a snake or something um i'm not actually opposed to that i just it hasn't come up again so we haven't brought it up again so, so you're like that's just not i yeah. do feel like there will be more more pets in our future i just feel like we're at we're we're in the pet we're still in the pet acquisition phase of our lives and we're definitely right. not adding more children so yeah we'll see how about you yeah, you're definitely still in that stage. I feel like for me, that stage is winding down. Like Will has asked about getting a bird, but he's going to be going off to college in two years. Right. So who do you think is going to take care of that bird? You know, <laughs> and I don't like birds in the house. They creep me out. Yeah. I really love birds outside, mm-hmm. but a, something about a caged bird gives me the willies or worse, like a caged bird that's flying around a house. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That something about that just really, really freaks me out. So, um, no. <laughs> But the, also, like, I'm almost at the point now where if anybody wanted something that had any lifespan to it, I feel like I can put them off and say, well, when you're 18, you can do whatever you want. Or when you live in your own house, you can do whatever you want. So that's kind of where I am now with those kinds of pets, like small ones, unless it yeah. was truly something with like a two to three year lifespan. You know, right. maybe Clara will have another doomed hamster at some point. I don't know. <laughs> and Mark, um, <laughs> what do you call it with something that's like, you know, marked for execution? It's marked, yes. Like, it's, like yeah. the hamster comes into my house and is like, no, don't take me there. <laughs> um, So I feel like for myself, like my stage two life pets, like, you know, my my second act, I suppose. Yeah will be all barnyard animals. Like I'm thinking chickens and ducks and goats. Oh, I love it. I love but that's it. not going to happen right now either. So maybe we'll just be in a, a bit of a pet lull for yeah, a bit. That's okay. This is, we have many seasons of life. Um, yeah. Well, this was really fun. And um, thanks for having Violet on with you, Megan. That was very fun for her. 
Um, she is truly an animal lover. And I will say having a kid who is a like true blue animal lover really even softens it for me. And I'm more of like, OK, the poop and the cleaning and the this and the that. And it's it is a, it's a special part of our family life right now. So I love that. And it does make it easier on you. So, yeah, that's really absolutely. great. OK, well, this has been really fun. Thanks for listening, everybody. And we'll talk to you next week. The Mom Hour is brought to you by partners like Chatbooks. Chatbooks makes it beyond easy to create beautiful photo books by importing your digital photos from anywhere, Instagram, Facebook, Google Photos, or directly from your phone. The books come in a variety of sizes with beautiful cover options and binding styles to choose from, and they start at just $15. Plus, we have a great deal just for our listeners. Use code THEMOMHOUR20 to save 20% off your purchase. Just download the Chatbooks app and use code THEMOMHOUR20 to save 20%. Hey, everyone, we have a favor to ask. If you are an Apple Podcasts user, can you check really quickly to make sure you're still following the Mom Hour? Apple did one of their big software updates recently, and it changed a bunch of things about how you get the podcasts you're subscribed to. If Apple Podcasts is your podcast app of choice, all you have to do is find your way to our show page and then click the little plus sign or follow in the top right corner. Thanks so much.